0: We are excited to be talking with the author of a brand new book, The Characters of Christmas for Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. Daniel Darling, how are you, brother?
1: I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah,
0: really good. Thank you, Dan. We, we spoke probably about six months ago, um, back in the summer, when we had the opportunity to talk about your, your newest book at the time, The Dignity Revolution. I remember at the time you hinted that you was working on a Christmas story. What's it like writing a, a book about Christmas in the middle of the summer?
1: Well, I mean, it, it was it was really joyous, actually. You know, I worked on it uh, earlier this year, and uh, it, it it was it was a real joy to work on. I I thoroughly loved kind of going through the Gospels and just just soaking in uh, the story of Christmas, the incarnation of the Son of God. I'd be able to go deep yeah. on each of these characters, go deep on the story. I think most of us know Christmas in a in a kind of a passing way. We know the kind of basic framework of the story, but it's really. Spend some time there. I think was for me was was a really great experience.
0: Uh, great! Did you have to get yourself feeling all festive? Did you put up a Christmas tree in the what whilst it was really well, hot outside?
1: I, I did listen to a lot of Christmas music when I <laughs> when I wrote it and <laughs> trying to get in uh, into the Christmas spirit.
0: So tell us all about your new book, then.
1: So it's it's about um, you know we all when we read the Christmas story when we set up our nativity sets uh, when we have Christmas productions at church Mm. our kids will dress up in the various characters whether they're the shepherds or the wise men or mary and joseph um but you know this this book offers an opportunity to to think what would it be like to be those people uh you know right now you know at this point two thousand years later they're they're somewhat well known they're celebrities they're joseph they're mary they're uh the wise men but in in uh the shepherds but in those in in the first century they're just ordinary people going about their business um when they were caught up swept up in the story of the coming of the son of god the the long-awaited promise uh that all of the old testament all the prophets and all the temple sacrifices and and that whole structure everything pointed to it was finally there and thrust upon them in their lives uh, in, in the first century
0: so how did you come to get involved with this
1: project then dan uh, well, so I, I've always loved Christmas. Uh, I've always enjoyed it. I've always like looked forward to Christmas, and I really, really had this desire to, to write a, uh, something about Christmas and to really write about each of these characters. I've always loved character profiles yeah. when, when pastors preach on a specific characters. So it really kind of came together, and Moody really believed in it uh, from the beginning.
0: Christmas is a special time for Christians, but it's also a really good opportunity for when non-believers may visit a church service and be more open to talk about the real meaning behind Christmas. What's your thoughts on that, Dan?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think every year this is an opportunity for Christians to focus on really the the birth of Jesus. um, It's the one time of year that the whole world is um, pausing and in some way, acknowledging that jesus was born now most many don't believe so it's a good opportunity for us to to sort of um ourselves to be refreshed and in our understanding of the meaning of the incarnation but also be so overcome with joy uh, that our king has come that we we use this opportunity to share that joy with others. I think people are particularly open to hearing about Jesus at this time of year.
0: When you were conducting your research, what were some of the biggest myths that you were surprised by um, that have been accepted into the Christian sort of culture today?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think, I think there's a couple things. I think one, um, you know, we tend to look at the, 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 the characters in the Bible as sort of superhuman or, um, like these avatars or whatever. Mm. but again these are ordinary people. Um, think about Joseph, you know he's just a, a carpenter, a faithful Jewish man who's trying to trying to do what God has called him to do. He's thrust into this really difficult task that it would be set before him to father a child not his own, to father the son of to, to be a father to the son of God um, to be faithful to Mary to take on shame in the community uh, as it were. Um, I also think one of the things we miss sometimes is just how each of these characters point to Jesus. Right. Mm. Um, um, we, you know, each of them in their own way uh, point, uh, point to Jesus.
0: We've romanticized shepherds at Christmas over the years, but in the first century, they were pretty much the outcasts of society. Wasn't they? What was so powerful <laughs> about, about their inclusion in the Christmas story?
1: See, I get really excited talking about the shepherds, I think. Uh, you're right in that. They, they were kind of the outcasts. They were lower class. Uh, shepherds tended their sheep outside the sort of city walls. Um, it's interesting to me and fascinating to me that God chose to make the the announcement of the long-awaited promise, the fulfillment of the prophecies and of the entire Old Testament, of the coming of the God-man, the the one who would sit on the throne of David forever, not in the palace in Rome, yeah, not among the religious elites in Jerusalem, but he would do it uh, to a bunch of lowly shepherds in a f- field in Bethlehem. But I think there's great significance there. First, I think there's significance because shepherds are kind of earthy. They're low to the ground. They're ordinary people. You'll find that a consistent theme in the Christmas story is that the kingdom of God is always coming around it's always made up of mostly ordinary people um but secondly i think there's even more here because if you look throughout the scripture from genesis to revelation one of the main metaphors for spiritual leadership is shepherding if god calls himself the good shepherd david said the lord is my shepherd um the prophets denounced bad shepherds but pointed to good shepherds and then jesus himself calls him he calls himself the good shepherd and so i think I think God is trying to emphasize that this is the the kind of king that is coming is a new kind of king. He's not going to lead like the kings in Rome. Yeah. He's not going to lead like the religious elite in Jerusalem. This will be a new kind of king, a shepherd king, uh, who would leave will leave the ninety nine and go after the one. He will follow and sit on the throne of the original shepherd king David.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think that's
1: very significant. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I think it's important because. These shepherds were likely tending uh, to the lambs that would be one day used for um, the temple sacrifices. And here's the announcement that the final sacrifice for sins, the one whom John called the Lamb of God who takes away the, the sins of the world, would be announced to those who knew how to care for lambs. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knew how to care for, for sheep. And so I think there's very there's very much significance in, in the fact that the shepherds were the first ones to get the news.
0: Yeah. It, it really helps authenticate the history as well, doesn't it? Because if this was a story that was going to be fabricated, you know, the, the author of a book wouldn't have chosen... Uh, they they would have gone for real credible um, witnesses, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you and I were writing the Christmas story, we would have picked none of these characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's the, perhaps <laughs> the greatest myth of Christmas is that it, you know, it, you know, the the, the idea is that, you know, we would not have picked to announce the shepherds. We would have held a press conference, <laughs> had a social media campaign, launched <laughs> yeah. websites. Yeah, we would not have picked shepherds. We would not have picked uh, a poor peasant girl Mary and her her carpenter. Um, a fiance to to take care of the son of God. We would not have chosen outsiders in the yeah. wise men to come and worship. Uh, uh, to be the ones who worship, uh, we would not have chosen Zechariah and Elizabeth to to bear the son who would be the last prophet who would uh, prepare the way for for the Messiah. Yeah. We would have not have chosen any of these people. But it, again, it shows you the kind of kingdom that God has. That it's it's mostly made up of ordinary people, and it's like that today around the world. That. The kingdom of God is mostly made up of ordinary, faithful followers of Jesus who've been uh, had an encounter with Jesus and have had seen their lives change.
0: Yeah, that's really good. You, you touched on wise men there, Dan, and I, I noticed you didn't say three wise men. Tell us a little bit about that. Well,
1: so yeah, there probably were not three wise men. Yeah. Um, we get that from the three gifts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, however, I'm always quick to say to people, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And there's always someone out there that's quick to correct everyone at Christmas and ruin everyone's <laughs> Christmas parties. Yeah. Um, but what I think, find is so fascinating about the, about these men, they were likely astrologers, uh, philosophers, noble people from the East. Uh, what's commendable about them is they didn't know a lot. God met them where they were, even as they studied astrology. And they were eager to earnestly seek out the truth. Mm. And they were willing to follow that wherever it would lead, at great cost. Uh, they had to travel great distance. And that truth, that quest for truth, led them to a person, as it always does. The, the, the earnest quest for the truth always leads you not to just a set of propositions, but to a person. Mm-hmm. And they, these these noblemen, these wise people, these learned men, were willing to abandon everything and worship this infant child. Think about this. Here you have King Herod, who's threatened by the infant Jesus and slaughters infant boys. And then you have these other Kings, these other noble people who are not threatened, but worship. And I think the wise men teach us how to worship. That's the proper response to Jesus is to worship as, is, is to give. They, their hearts were so full. They, they were generous and they gave gifts. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were outsiders. You know, everyone in Bethlehem and Bethlehem, most people in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem missed Jesus. The people who should have most worshipped Jesus, who knew the scriptures, missed him. But here the outsiders worshipped him. And it tells us something about the kingdom of God that it's it's not just for a select group of people or race, it's for yeah. every nation and tribe and tongue on earth.
0: Yeah. Amen. With all the research you've done, what did you find out about the innkeeper?
1: So there's a lot of debate about what kind of... Um, environment that joseph and mary found themselves when they came to bethlehem some feel like it was a cave uh, and i've actually been to bethlehem and there's a church the nativity the historic church of the nativity it's built over this kind of grotto that many people feel that could have been the cave where he was born mm-hmm. others others feel that may, maybe there was a roadside in like you see in the parable of the good samaritan some some feel that maybe they stayed with parents or, or, or not parents but family um we don't really know, but the, Luke does make a point of saying that here they arrive. They look for some shelter and some some room, and there was no room for him. And I just think Luke makes a point of saying that, he, that this is not filler. This is him making a point that the one who created the heavens and the earth, who breathed humanity into existence, uh, comes to the to the world he created and c- cannot find room. Uh, cannot find room. Jesus would later say the son of man has no place to lay his head. But we do know that the one for whom there was no room did make room for those who believe in him. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know if there was an innkeeper. I do think there was probably somebody there that had to tell Joseph and Mary, Hey, we don't have any room, but let me see what I can do. Yeah. And history has been a little rough on the innkeeper. Um, but, if we think about it, Jesus comes into our li- all of our lives and he disrupts it. He turns it upside down. What what he thought was an ordinary day, uh, just another couple coming for the census, would be the most extraordinary evening, the yeah. most extraordinary night. And I just wonder him or her or whoever it was, the people staying there, sleeping next to Mary and Joseph, did they understand what was happening? Yeah. Did they realize that history was being made uh, in this house, uh, that that God was visiting man, that that God and man uh, in Jesus were there amongst them. I hope so. I hope we get to heaven and find out, yeah, I was there laying next to Mary and Joseph, or I was there uh, spending the night there, and I had this encounter with Jesus. And it just showed this, that God often interrupts in the most ordinary t- places and times, yeah. um, in the middle, middle of what seems like an ordinary day.
0: Yeah, yeah. You won't find Herod in too many nativity sets, but his role is important within the whole picture. Tell us a little bit about him.
1: Yeah, so, you know, none of us, you know, my kids have the (laughs) Fisher-Price nativity sets... There's no Herod there. Uh, I've, I've bought several nativity sets, some even from the Middle East. I have not seen a Herod figure in any of those. Uh, there's no Herod figure in our Christmas pageants, but he does feature prominently in the Christmas story. And it does strike me that even the modern stories we tell about Christmas, they all have one thing in common: they have a a um, an antagonist. They have they have an evil person. If you think about. Uh, um, it's a wonderful life you have Mr. Potter who's who's angry and mean if you think about the Christmas Carol you have um, Scrooge uh, if you think about the Grinch that stole Christmas there's always a I yeah. mean for even the Hallmark movies you know that my wife watches have a you know uh, someone who is trying to ruin Christmas well Herod was that original Grinch and here's here's a king who was really an illegitimate king he was not truly a, uh, in the line the rightful line and I think this is what Matthew's saying with his opening statement, that the, the real king who should be on David's throne is the, this baby. Yeah. Uh, and there's a contrast of kings in Matthew, that here's a, a shepherd king born into humble circumstances, a vulnerable baby. And here's someone who everybody thinks is powerful and everybody's fearful of. And he thinks he has all this power, Herod. But really, he's a footnote in history. And mm-hmm. he's being, he's only being used as part of God's grand plan. And I think he's in a long line— of people going back to genesis where god uh, prophesies this cosmic battle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman and all throughout salvation history you see the seed of the serpent nipping at the heels of the seed of the women you see uh, people try to uh, wipe out god's uh, people israel in the old testament you see people trying to destroy the line of david and god preserving that line and here it's just one more of those kind of antichrist figures yeah uh but we can take heart in knowing that the baby that he tried to destroy was the one who crushed the serpent yeah. and that jesus that baby defeated sin death in the grave and that the serpent uh really can can hurt no more mm. you
0: spoke about the line of david why are genealogies so important in the bible and particularly those that are in the lineage of jesus
1: You know, it's so interesting because we, in our Christmas reading, or even in our just, our, you know, if you're going through reading through the Bible program, um, um, you typically skip over these names. But I'm here to say that when it comes to the Christmas story, the the list of names is very important. Mm. And I particularly focus on Matthew's list of names because this is what Matthew is saying when he opens his book. He's saying that this Jesus of Nazareth, this son of Mary, this carpenter's son, uh, is the promised, long-awaited Messiah. He, he, uh, is the true heir, and the one who sits on David's throne forever. And he goes through really fourteen generations, three sets of fourteen generations in Jesus' family line, starting with with Adam. And he's making the case. If you understand the way that Hebrew works, that the three sets of fourteen actually make up. Um, you know, there are numbers numbers in and, and letter every number in the Hebrew alphabet has a has a number assigned to it, and if you add together the three times fourteen, you actually get the the letters that form the word David. And what Matthew's trying to was trying to do is create a memorable device so that people that God's people could remember that this is the son of David, the true son of David. He is not only has a legal right to the throne but then as he expounds to the rest of matthew's gospel and the other gospels he has the spiritual right to the throne he is demonstrating that he is the one of whom the prophets prophesied It's
0: mm-hmm. good angels are often a key feature to a lot of people's Christmas decorations what's the accurate biblical view of an angel and how might that differ from the angel characters that we see in a lot of people's christmas trees
1: well, I think it's interesting. You know, the, you can't tell the Christmas story without the angels. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're present. You know, they make the first announcement after 400 years of God's silence. There are no prophets, no angels, no, no speaking, that an angel visits Gabriel. Um, an angel t- goes to Joseph multiple times. He visits Mary. He visits – an angel visits the wise men. The angels announce in the Bethlehem fields. Uh, And then throughout Jesus' life, you see angels, right? You see him nourished in the uh, wilderness of temptation by angels. Uh, You see an angel, angels restrained from defending Jesus when he gives himself up in the garden and at the cross. Mm -hmm. You see an angel atop the garden tomb uh, announcing that he's risen. You see angels at the uh, annunciation when Jesus is, Rises to heaven, telling the disciples to go tell the story, and then you see him throughout the building of the church, freeing disciples from prison, and and appearing to people like Paul, uh, to, to people like Paul and others, and then you see them in the Book of Revelation at the end of the age, worshiping, and so, uh, and and for us, you know, angels are unlike humans. Humans are God's special creation that He has special devotion to. Uh, angels cannot partake in grace they're not recipients of god's grace the the gospel story narrative is not about them it's about god and his love for his people Mm -hmm. but it's good for us sometimes to take a step back and maybe take the view of the angels they have seen this marvelous plan of redemption from beginning to end they've seen it unfold and this is why they rejoice uh in bethlehem and this is why they rejoice in revelation that god could choose the most unlikely people that he can have this over unbelievable, overwhelming love and forgiveness for a sinful people that he created. So I think it's good uh, for us to listen to the angels. This is what Charles Wesley says in his hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. To hark means to listen. Listen to the message that the angels are singing, glory to the newborn king.
0: What does Christmas normally look like in the darling home?
1: Well, we love Christmas. Um, We we actually start... um, you know, listening to Christmas music well before we're supposed to—we're <laughs> listening to it early in November. Yeah. Uh, we like to to really um, pause and just enjoy family and read through the Christmas story through the month of December yeah. as a family and meditate on what it's about. We love festivity, we love food and gifts, and I think that's a good part of Christmas. If our King has come, we celebrate with gifts and. Feasts, but we also try to really meditate each one of us on the christmas story and some particular things are memorable for us you know going to christmas eve service um you know sitting around reading uh the narrative in luke um we like to you know throughout the season watch all the favorite christmas movies and go see the lights and do all those things as well so we we love christmas in the darling household
0: have you been dropping hints already as to the gifts that you want to receive this year dan
1: I mean the older you get the more you're just you know you're just happy to have your family happy and and and, uh you know everybody healthy and uh, everybody enjoying things but we're yeah we're starting to do a little shopping for our kids and 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 trying to uh figure out you know the older they get their 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 gift requests get a little bit more expensive (laughs)
0: yeah well i was thinking this would be a good opportunity for you to drop a hint about maybe a book that you've got your eye on or something you never know you know someone in your family may hear this and uh yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> we, we mentioned at the top of the interview that we spoke uh, about six months ago about the dignity revolution and um, how has that book been received so far dan
1: you know it's been received really well and i'm grateful that uh at the response to it i've had people uh, you know uh, across the spectrum really say you know i didn't understand the full idea of what it means for people to be created in the image of god and and how the gospel narrative really fits into that because i think sometimes you have people who really understand okay people are creating the image god means i need to treat them well but don't connect it to the life death and resurrection of jesus that jesus has come to renew our bodies and souls that uh he he restores us to our image bearing purposes and so it's been it's been received really well by people who maybe come into the conversation as pro-life activists and realize you know um i've had a passion for the unborn but i need to also care about these other groups of vulnerable people then i've had other folks who maybe cared about other issues um of human dignity, but didn't understand. You know, I really do need to take a position uh, for the unborn here or mm-hmm. these other things. So I, th- I think it's been very. I've been pleased with the way the Lord has been has used it.
0: Yeah, that's really good. What are you working on at the moment? Can we expect to see any books from you next year?
1: So yes, I'm working on several projects. Um, I turned in a manuscript to B and H Publishers uh, just thinking through how should christians interact online how should we behave online i know there's really no need for that because every christian behaves well online is <laughs> a perfect example
0: uh, you're 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 just following the wrong people on twitter dan <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, in, just in case that's a issue that's coming up i'm also working on a um uh, a children's book on human dignity uh with a friend of mine that'll be out in 2021 and then i've got a few uh projects with my um Colleague Trillia Newbell on some issues on on racial reconciliation and how Christians should think about that. So always, always quite a few things in the hopper.
0: Ah, excellent, Dan. Well, I've really enjoyed speaking to you. You've made me feel very festive and looking forward to Christmas even more after our conversation, Dan.
1: Well, thank you so much, and I really appreciate your ministry. And just want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas, and hopefully, this is a wonderful season for all of y'all to uh, focus on uh, the incarnation of the Son of God.
0: Ah, brilliant. Thank you so much, Dan. We'll speak to you soon, buddy.